There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Friday the 4th of June 2010. Newcomers, I always suggest you do look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and bookmark all the other sites I've got there for future use because the com goes down once in a while. While you're there, go into the books I have for sale. These are different books. I don't think in a linear fashion. I can if I have to, but uh, I prefer to look at things from all different angles to find out what's really happening and why things are happening and not being simply brought to my conclusions by little cheese traps along the way supplied by the mainstream media. And I show you how we've been conned uh, for thousands of years, first with priesthoods who accumulated all the knowledge and kept the data on, on their techniques, and eventually these became sciences, and they're used widely today uh, by all media and all, all those who provide the devices, even for media, television, radio, everything, internet, it's all supplied to basically control us and guide our thoughts so that we all are, are updated with the same thoughts and the same opinions at the same time for the big agenda. That way there's no, there's no real problem when we're all agreeing with each other. We all think we're quite sane. But very clever people above us are guiding us the whole way. So look into the books I have for sale. It helps you wake up a little bit. And you'll see, as I say, how ancient these techniques are. And they don't have to simply stick to cryptology as they used to. They've got much better ways of doing it today. Now they've got visual too, of course. From the U.S. to Canada, to buy the books, you can use a personal check. You can use an international postal money order. You can use PayPal for donations or to purchase. Just send a separate email to me with your PayPal donation, with your name, address, and order. And I'll get it out to you. Now, cash is also accepted uh, Western Union MoneyGram as well. Across the rest of the world, it's the same idea. Western Union, MoneyGram, Cash, or PayPal for donation or to donate. Separate, separate email for, for a PayPal um, order, and I'll get it out to you as quick as possible. At least the post is still kind of working, and we can be thankful for that. How long it will be, I don't know, as the world is changing very quickly. Now, I've talked about the psychology that's used on us incessantly. And the more methods to get the media across to us, the more psychology is used on us and improved even for the different types of technology. Uh, and it works very, very, very well. Very well indeed. We're so well mapped out, every one of us, with our personality profiles. They can target you, as you well know, on the Internet. They can target you personally as they, as they create these profiles upon you with your habits and your friends and all that kind of stuff. And this stuff goes through universities who also get grants from the military-industrial complex to work out the more systems and clusters of groups of people like you 
uh, with similar interests and so on. And they try to find out why you've all got the same interests and all the rest of it. And they categorize you. We're all very predictable. Very, very predictable in this system. And I've made a little joke once in a while, which is no joke at all, actually, that eventually you'll get knocks on the door if you break your routine or your pattern and you don't uh, phone these friends on a particular day or you don't attend their little chat room. That will happen under mental health, eventually. Not too far off, actually. Now, the world today is being presented to us as chaos, And the same mainstream, remember, that's owned by the big boys themselves are releasing a lot of this chaos to you for the first times to make you feel that we're all just shaking in our boots across the whole planet. The whole planet's quivering. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about how we're trained and we get updates all the time from mainstream media. And the same media, mind you, that'll keep us all lulled and and sleeping when they require it, can hype us all up together uh, when they want us to be feeling edge and unsure and uncertain. Because when we're like that, uh, government can ram through changes and we don't know how to react, there's so many of them happening at the same time. We're hoping they're trying to save us, you see. But believe you me, the ones that we see in governments aren't the ones who run the countries. They're not. As I said last night, they're primarily actors. Now, within their cabinets and appointees, these guys know what their job is. They've been trained for many, many years and uh, selected by higher powers for their positions and the roles within this amalgamation of the planet, this uh, world ink that we're going into, where they bring in the new socialist uh, controlled society, uh, reduce the populations to the proper limit, and they'll decide what that is, uh, to to their needs, of course, that's all we exist for, and genetic engineering, uh, we know for a fact, is going to be uh, forced abortion down the road too. That's all going to get hyped up as time goes on. And John Holdren, who I think is off at the Bilderberger meeting, um, is, is a proponent for all of that kind of stuff. So these are guys who are more closer to uh, the ones who really rule the world than the front men they put in there as presidents and prime ministers who just have to be actors or the traditional politicians who get moved around from one department to another. They're expert in nothing except filling their pockets. And, and uh, being very agreeable to lobbyists, uh, very rich lobbyists. But anyway, that's the way of the world. That is the real world. And when all this is going on, as I say, that they make you think that it's coming to an end. The world's coming to an end. My God, since 2001, we've had crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. We've all lost our rights. The governments have all given themselves permission uh, to invade all of our privacies, you see, and we had the the nonsense with the possible attacks and nuclear bombs going off in New York Harbor and orange alerts and stuff like that put out by the mainstream themselves and actually from the Pentagon because they want to increase the hype. The, the public, they've actually said this in articles and I've quoted them, the public weren't taking this serious, seriously enough so we, they have to terrify us until we take it seriously. 
Well, that, these are the experiments that Pavlov did on his dogs. And he was a cruel sadist of a character. And, and they certainly do re- recruit a lot of sadists in government. In fact, a lot of the guys in there are very blackmailable for their S&M uh, tendencies, shall we say. But they're cracking down at the moment. It's all this is going on with the financial crashes and bailouts. And, oh, my God, we're all going to sink. And, and oh, the weather's all changing. We'll die. We'll die. And I think there's 10 or 15 movies out there on that very topic, for, courtesy of Hollywood and the Pentagon. Um, while all this is going on, they're moving towards literally monitoring the Internet further and actually coming down with hate speech. And they want this to be done also. They want to police talk radio. And there's an article out, one of many, on, this is June the 2nd, um, it says liberal groups want the FCC to police talk radio cable news. A coalition of more than 30 more mostly liberal organizations has sent a letter to the Federal Communications Commission urging the agency to monitor hate speech on talk radio and cable news networks. The groups assert in the letter that hate, extremism, and misinformation have been on the rise as the media has focused on Arizona's passage of one of the harshest pieces of anti-Latino legislation in the country's history. Then it gives you the list of all who they are, and so on and so on. So there's a lot of backlash against Arizona for basically standing up for the law that's already there and hasn't been practiced for a while, you see. See, in this globalized system, we're told we have no right to take care of our own area, or state, or even nation. And we're all supposed to get that message that, no, it has to be an international consensus on everything, with very special people living very far away to tell us how we should, should actually should live, and where people should live, and who they should be, and all that kind of stuff. This is, the, this is a, a very old agenda, as I say, worked out before World War I and eventually put through the League of Nations and then through the United Nations. And here we are in the age of globalization when borders are supposed to start to melt away and we all get tracked and traced by chips instead. So we see this happening here and then in Canada and it's happening elsewhere across the world right now. Uh, they're put, they're going, really going for copyright laws. And it's a, it's a big tax grab, of course, for the government, too. A few years back, when um, cassette discs, uh, tapes, were very popular, um, the government of Canada, under the guise of copyright laws, uh, presumed that everybody who bought a blank tape was going to copy some album, you see. So, And, of course, there was no recourse to that if you wanted to copy stuff for yourself or make stuff of by yourself. Um, you had to pay extra. They doubled the prices, of tapes until maybe a one-hour cassette disc would cost you about four bucks or four dollars twenty. And under the guise, this would go to the artist. Of course, none of it gets to the artist that you're supposedly copying, even if you're not. It goes to the big boys that own them, like Sony and the Warner Brothers and all the rest of it, that own the companies and the music businesses. It doesn't go to the artist at all. So they're using the same ploy here, and it says, Blu-ray movies are seen on display in Toronto, June 22nd, 2010. The Canadian government is unveiling new copyright laws regarding digital copies of songs, movies, and TV episodes. It says here, um, 
Canada's copyright law is so outdated that, that presently it's illegal for people to copy CDs onto iPods or to record television shows to be viewed later. But all that will change if a new copyright law introduced in the House of Commons Wednesday is passed. So they, they, they see how they spin it off that's going to actually help you because it's so outdated. Other than legitimizing common practices, however, the new law comes down hard on piracy, making it easier for recording companies and film studios to go after those who share files illegally. So it's going to be the same now with CD discs, blank discs. They're already way too expensive in Canada compared to other countries because we have value-added tax. and no, well, We actually have GST, general sales tax, and provincial tax and other taxes. Uh, so they'll tax this... Um, copyright law on top of them as well, the same as it did with the tapes. And that'll double the price, which will go into government's pockets and trickle off to the big music corporations. But it's also to, also to, to make sure that big mainstream can continue to take over the Internet. You know, almost the, all the articles now that are read, and even where I do here, are coming from mainstream now. They're already here. They've already taken it all over. And they want to solidify their grasp, you see, and have sole rights on the information, or disinformation, I should say, that they're putting out. And the Internet is going down. And we've got global conferences going on as well about regulating it even more, and who should be on it, who shouldn't be on it, and all the rest of it. That's all coming down fast. So as days really are, are limited... No doubt about that. Now, the U.S. is to go under the National Health Service system, and they keep using in their, their, their campaigns in the U.S. how wonderful Canada is. Uh, Canada um, sends an awful lot of patients down to the States because we can't treat them here. I hope you realize that. And a lot of the operations are not under the National Health, they won't cover it here, certain operations, which can save your lives. They won't cover it here. Because it's all about economics, and everybody is an economic unit under socialism, and we're treated as such. And that also means that you have a certain value to the community, and you are rated according to your value in society and in the community. The same as in Britain. And I'm not kidding, I've read the articles before, where you're actually labeled when you get admitted uh, to do resuscitation, and they classify you with a little A, B, C, or D on your chart. Do resuscitate this one, do not resuscitate this one, and so on. That's what National Health Service is. Doctors become lackeys, servants, civil servants of the government and the pharma companies. That's what it's all about. And pharma then lobbies the governments directly, for their big, it's far, far better getting government to guarantee they'll take your brand or whatever than going around all different doctors trying to persuade them, isn't it? You see how it works? They love national health service systems. And once they've got it, and everyone has to pay insurance of some kind, then, or it's taken right out of your taxes, which generally is here, um, once they've got it, they can jack the prices right up for the same pills and the same medications. Because government's going to guarantee that the money gets funneled through government to them. It's the greatest scam ever. It's fantastic. They love it. And at the same time, government's trying to cut back on what they're going to spend on you. Because they also like that money, you see. And they've got, they've got lots of plans for that cash. 
there's other wars to fight. There's other lands to steal. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of social agendas to be done in other countries with that cash. Never mind the money that will funnel their way into their back pockets. Here's an article here from Britain to give you an example, which is in an awful state in so many ways, because Britain pioneered this whole social system that the world is to copy, including the takedown of society, the takedown of traditional families, the takedown of everything, with massive psychological campaigns through television and through, through entertainment, through the BBC, which literally got people fighting in each other's throats because psychology works very well indeed, especially to the victims who are completely oblivious to it on a conscious level. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix just talking about the reality of things. Everything really is about control in the world. It always is. Even when you think you're going through chaos, it's about control or new types of control or more control coming out over you. That's how people, that's how whole nations are run. And we're in a global society, so we're, we're getting lots of chaos. It appears to be chaos to make us very afraid. Because you see, we are the abused, and the abused always turns to the abuser to save them. That's how government works. But National Health Services become, um, you have to redefine what they really are. And you have to really redefine what health care is. Because you think you know what health care is, but you have to understand what they think health care is. You see? There is a vast difference. Uh, from those who rule over you and you at the bottom as to how you perceive things. You can both talk, talk about the same thing, uh, and yet uh, you have completely different meanings of what it's for. Eugenics is a big, big part of controlling people's eugenics. I've gone over before how the United Nations, uh, after Kessler talked about this, that uh, he worked for a while with the United Nations and different branches of special uh, health and, and medical departments were working on ways to lobotomize, lobotomize parts of the brain, the part that make you you, because that's your wild part. You see, the part that has your survival instincts. And if they could simply knock that out and make people more amenable to persuasion and being guided by their betters, then uh, that would be fine. They had to do this for world peace. And they did discuss different ways to do it. Pharma, of course, and specialized types of drugs could literally piggyback on enzymes and zip up to your brain to the place where they would be located for receptors and alter you from there. Other ones would simply be injected into you and target specific areas of the brain and so on and so on. But he said in the last chapter it had to be done because they need world peace. And man was a problem, you see. And it's true when they say man. Men had to be put out the picture, and they have been. But back to the National Health Service, it's a big arm. It's, it's, it's really a weaponized arm if they want to use it on you, especially when they become authorities and say, you've got to take these injections. When even your senses, if you're having left and you haven't been completely lobotomized, 
tell you that there's no swine flu up there at all. What are they doing to you? What are they putting in you? Not one doctor has ever analyzed this stuff for themselves. It's all based on faith. It says it right there on the label. That's what it says. So it must be so. So here is an article here. National Health Service preparing to cut millions of operations. They've already cut the budget back by billions of dollars or pounds. But now they're going to cut out operations. Another great scam. Just for you in the U.S. to know what's coming your way. And it says patients will lose out to say to ensure there are 20 billion pounds of savings. Millions of patients lose, uh, face losing NHS care as the bosses prepare to axe treatments to make 20 billion pounds of savings by 2014, a top doctor has warned. So legally we've been told, and we'll go, oh, well, no bitch about it, nothing, so what. Among procedures being targeted by health trusts are hernias, joint replacements, ear and nose procedures, varicose veins, and cataract surgery. They will not uh, cut back on uh, tubal ligations, abortion, and vasectomies, because that's a prime mandate of government, is to reduce the population uh, by every means possible. Dr. Mark Porter, chairman of the British Medical Association's Consultants Committee, warned the National Service bosses wanted wholesale reductions in budgets. Uh, He said primary care trusts, which commission care, are already compiling lists of low-value operations that would no longer be provided. And they give you the list of different things, gallstones. um, They're not going to give you a hip replacement if you're obese. See, they've already targeted by social approval and disapproval from the UN's war on obesity. They've made them look ugly people in their minds. So they're the first ones to be denied uh, um, operations for hip replacements. It's their fault. They're heavy, and that'll be a lesson to the world. Uh, I'm not kidding you. This is happening. And also for hernias and gallstones. Procedures for varicose veins, ear and nose problems, including grommets in children, are also not funded in some areas. Uh, Porter said it was wrong to impose blanket bans on such procedures when some patients might benefit. Yeah. Although the government has pledged to defend spending, trusts are, are, are preparing for a, a period of unprecedented retrenchment to make the £20 billion worth of savings within four years, he said. Now, they've already cut the staff back to a skeleton crew. And that's on the slates for the states as well. What they do is they they tend to lay off uh, a lot of the qualified staff nurses and start bringing in uh, nursing assistants and helpers to staff the wards. And uh, it ends up with a bit of chaos and it ends up getting burnout time for those who are still qualified and running all over the place, over the ones who are not qualified. It's all bucks, you see. Economic units, that's what we all are. And yes, as long as you're fit and healthy and paying taxes and you're producing and consuming, the United Nations will class you for you. As they said, you are a good global citizen. That's their definition of a good global citizen. A producer and consumer. If you get towards retirement age and you start to get that first pension, uh, the first part of it, you're now a consumer. You're a bad person. And I've read the articles before where, and there's more coming out now. Um, the first one was from Israel, who said, who was talking about this care system. And he said, um, he was criticizing that the articles coming out saying that the elderly had a duty to die. They'd lived their lives. Back with more after this. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And just to finish off with the National Health Service idea, um, I should mention as well, there's a good video up there by a Dr. Healy. I think it's David Healy. And he is a psychiatrist as well as a medical doctor. And he goes through some of the fallacies of pharmacology at a university lecture. He's got some books out. He destroys a lot of the myths that the public uh, have today because of the massive advertising campaigns about wonder drugs and so on. And he tells you the truth about uh, your cholesterol and a whole bunch of things of recent, uh, you know, things that have been pushed so heavily by big pharma to sell their medications. And he tells you quite frankly that uh, you, you, these, these pills will eventually kill you. They'll shorten your life. All these different, all these different pills that you've been told to take. And he says you're actually better off without them. You see, he even goes through how the ghostwriters are picked. There are people with PhDs and they're professional writers for pharma companies. They're given the jobs, uh, they write at home, and at, their job is to glorify the drug, uh, fudge all the reports and put it in for FDA approval, which always happens because FDA has so many members in it uh, who work for the pharma companies. Actually, a lot of them still work while they're members of the FDA. That's been shown in the past as well. Guaranteed to pass the drugs. Huge business. But there's more to the business than that, as I say. As far as I'm concerned, big pharma is definitely a part of the military-industrial complex. And it's not just big bucks they're after. There's a lot of things to do with you as well, physically, genetically, and even altering you. I have no doubt whatsoever about that. Last night I touched on how countries were destroyed because they had to eliminate the males within those countries who tend to fight and stand up for things when they have things to stand up for. So the psychologists an awful long time ago did experiments in different countries, not just Britain. They were doing them in the Soviet Union in different countries. And sure enough, when it all supposedly went down and they were no longer communists, we were told, although the same guys were still in power, and they called themselves by other names now. Um, millions of women were flooding out of those countries because they hated their own men. They'd been taught from school age to despise men, especially their own, and bypass them altogether, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, so you had a lot of useless, basically, men hanging around just drinking and who were despised, and they had no function in society. While they were doing all that, they were doing the same thing in Britain and elsewhere. They were doing it in the States and Canada through massive propaganda campaigns and various, various feminist, feminist lectures to demean the male. And if you were thinking of uh, uh, the history by feminism, you truly would think that uh, all the men in the past uh, lived a good life, uh, the women stayed at home and worked, and the guy was out on his horse, I guess, going around hunting and having fun with the boys, when nothing is further from the truth. It's utter fiction and fallacy to promote that. But that's what you teach to young children to get the, them embittered against the male. Because in reality, not so long ago, it's not so long ago in the, at all in history that most men were serfs on the darn land. And they worked from sunup till sundown in the mud. Or they were down the mines 16 hours a day, up, right up into World War I. And beyond, actually, 
If you go further beyond that match one movie is a very good one to see. It was a good depiction of what happened in the U.S. and the hours they worked and how they were paid by the company. They had to pay it all back to the company for their rent because the company owned the rents at the houses. They owned the stores. They owned everything. They even owned the minister they'd bring in to keep you nice and happy with religion so you could pray to God to save you from your utter misery. That's the reality of life. So he's experiment in Britain, and it's 30 years after the facts, at least, and it's 30 years too late, so they can tell you this now. And it's from the Times, May the 28th, 2010. Useless, jobless men, the social blight of our age. The benefit system has produced an emasculated generation who can find neither work nor a wife. By Camilla Cavendish. So if all the government adverts have swamped our radio stations these past few years, there must be a quick saving there for the Treasury. One of the most irritating was a jolly woman asking us in a sing-song voice if we had remembered to report changes in our circumstances. Like hell, this is for welfare folks. Every time I heard the ad, it conjured up a vision of a lonely official waiting in a vein at her desk for people to come in and sign away entitlements to which they feel well entitled. This pathetic advert seemed to me to epitomize the politician's total loss of control over the monster that is our benefits system, this welfare system. The Department for Work and Pensions presides over a system so complex it has to issue 8,690 pages of guidance to help its staff to apply its 51 different benefits. The product of the ever more precise targeting of benefits to particular groups. And these are plenty. It was easier to duplicate and complicate than to simplify. And every new benefit in, in its separate computer system was just bolted onto the mainframe. But the result is that Britain more than twice has more, has more than twice the number of sick people as France. The potential for playing the system, defrauding the system, and falling foul of the system is enormous. So in declaring war yesterday on both poverty and the benefit system, Ian Duncan Smith had it right. If the government is going to make real inroads into the deficit, it will have to tackle a nearly £200 billion welfare budget, which is a third of government spending. This week's £6 billion of cuts was only round one. £6 billion is only 1% of government expenditure. So this was a warm-up. Round two will need to take on the DWP Leviathan, the welfare system. But the argument for welfare reform is not just one of affordability. In too many cases, welfare has entrenched poverty. Mr. Duncan Smith is one of the few politicians who really understands the poverty trap. Gordon Brown made life more bearable for many people on benefits, but he also made it harder to escape from them. Get a job tomorrow earning between £10,000 and £30,000 a year, and you'll take home only 30 pence out of every extra pounds, 100 pennies to the pound. So you only take home 30 pence out of every pound. You earn after the first 10,000. The rest goes in various taxes. Add in the loss of other allowances, housing benefit, council tax benefit, and you may find it simply doesn't pay to work harder. Our poverty trap is deeper than those of most European countries. Then the fear of losing benefits, of not being able to scramble back off the lifeboat, is your fall off. And he goes through that bit of that too. It says, William Beveridge would be horrified to discover that the safety net he designed has become a trap, creating generations of worklessness and dwindling self-esteem. It's also creating a glut of unemployed, unwanted, unmarriageable men. These men were overlooked during a decade of prosperity that did nothing to change their lives. 
At the beginning of that decade, 5.4 million working-age adults were claiming out-of-work benefits. The same number were still claiming just before the recession struck. Almost a fifth of 16- to 24-year-olds were not in education, employment or training in 1997. The number was identical in 2006. These people stayed put in the Welsh Valleys, in Liverpool, in Glasgow, big cities, while Eastern Europeans travelled a thousand miles to pick up work on construction sites in London. Immigration reduced the opportunities available to white British men, whose poor education made them less attractive candidates, while the benefits system undermined their motivation. By the way, I'll show you some ads tonight, I'll put links up, where white men are not to apply for certain government jobs. The problem affects the whole of society because of the striking correlation between male joblessness and single motherhood, particularly in the old industrial cities. In Liverpool, male unemployment rose from 12% in 71 to 30% in 2001. In 71, 11% of families were headed by a single parent, right? 11% in 1971. By 2001, 45% were headed by a single parent. I'd say it worked. I think it worked very well, this war. Similar patterns can be seen in Birmingham, Strathclyde and Newcastle. The epidemic of male joblessness after the collapse of manufacturing industries coincided with an increase in female employment and a welfare support to mothers who found that they could manage alone. It's all encouraged, you see. And, of course, I read the article the other day uh, that guaranteed uh, that the treaty that was signed, that all industry was to be taken out of Britain from the 1970 onwards, that was also part of it too. Overlooked by society, irrelevant to employers, unwanted by women who can raise families on benefits without their help, the man who has no work or a series of short-term jobs is a problem. Without steady work, he'll struggle to acquire a family. Unemployed men are less likely to marry or cohabit than employed ones. Without a stable relationship, he's less likely to grow into a good family man and raise good sons. The taxpayer has become the father. I'd change that. No, the government has become the father because that's whom uh, the women meet their demands too. Free daycare, free this, free that. One in four mothers is single and more than half live on welfare. A lot of these women describe the real fathers of their children as useless or worse. And that's what they call them. You know, they're, they're, they've been taught, and it's on all their TV shows too. It's in all their, 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 their uh, fictional shows that the BBC puts out. Men are all terribly bad and useless. It says here the men have no role. In the worst cases, the state has helped to create a class of jobless serial boyfriends who prey on single mothers or on benefits. It's the only way they can get cash, because women are the only ones that get money coming in through their welfare. That gives you a bit about that. It says, Robert Rothen, professor of economics at Cambridge, has shown that female and male worklessness has been going on in opposite directions for 30 years. That's when they really pushed the agenda. You had to emasculate the male to dominate society. When he's no longer respected, he has nothing to, to stand up for, then no one will stand up to the government's and all of their machinations to globalization, integration with Europe, and, and all the rest of it. There's only one exception, of course. You, you can always go into the army. That's where you suddenly get respect to go off and kill people. And you can get really angry with them and be really horrific and sadistic with them as you get all your anger and your hate out of you that you don't even understand yourself. That's permissible and actually promoted, you see, by your governments. 
So nothing happens by chance. And those who've never read the big mandates, they haven't read the big uh, side of it that was to take charge of this, because you see there's two sides that work together through the Fabian Society, for one for the left, to push well-funded by foundations and taxpayer-funded money to ensure that no one can get on anymore together. And there are women too in the States, there's lots of women now who simply order the sperm to get pregnant because they can't stand men at all. And you think you don't have a sick society already? Where did all that come from? Where did all of that come from? Hmm? Happened by itself, did it? We live in a world that is utterly and completely and minutely manipulated by specialists, well-funded specialists, and they had their attack program, I mentioned a bit of it last night, they had to bring in a world that certain peoples wouldn't like, most peoples wouldn't like at that time. And they had to do it in a Fabian style of a takedown by indoctrination of the young coming up and by lots of uh, media and entertainment with the, the right kind of stories promoting the certain attitudes that people would then have against those of the opposite gender. And it's been awfully successful. And at the same time, priority hiring uh, for one but not the other is mandated as well. As I say, too, it's so bad now that a white guy can't apply for a government job in Britain, like for his council. There's ads that see, see that reverse discrimination, and, and like Australia has it too. I've read articles from their government who says it's okay to have reverse discrimination. And people sit back and, well, what can you do, you know, what can you do? Because most folk don't know even what's happened to them. They don't know why they have certain responses to things or certain topics and why they react that way with social approval or disapproval to certain topics. They've all been conditioned by their masters and they don't even know it. I remember reading an article by the two guys who worked at the United Nations who also apparently had worked on the studies of creating social approval and disapproval in the perfect society of China, where people tend to be obedient. And they went through how how the militia had to go in and around villages and so on to drag out women who were pregnant with a second child because of government policy. And over a period of time, through, again, educating the young, bringing them up with this one viewpoint that they think is their own viewpoint, the neighbors now will grab the woman if they see she's pregnant with the second one, and they will drag her to the clinic. This is a BBC documentary actually up there on that topic. Social approval and disapproval. They then used it, the same guys, for the anti-smoking campaign. When the UN declared a war on smoking, that became uh, another place for another politician to get a job in every government to ban smoking. And sure, I saw that happening myself. When someone would light up a cigarette and someone halfway across the street, youngsters would start coughing and, and waving their hands as it was coming into their face or something. That's Pavlovian responses of social disapproval. 
You understand we're talking about government with its right to change and alter human behavior. And people now, people now really don't even question that. Is that what government's for? To alter behavior? Really? Since when? But again, it's further on the net through different means of targeting groups and debasing and demeaning certain types. They've been very, very successful to ensure that one of their priorities, which was that marriage wouldn't occur or occur less and less often, would happen. And it has happened. It has happened. It's a frivolous thing now because... As another BBC documentary showed a while ago, and the one in Canada, the bride says, I can walk out with this any time I want. She just wants a white wedding. That's how they go into it. That's the attitude as they go into it. And so they've been very, very, very successful indeed. And when a man has nothing to fight for, government can go on a roll, as Adolf Hitler said. He said, she'll target her propaganda at the woman. He said, we'll promise her safety, security, and food. And he talked over the heads of the husband. Any objections the husband was making was null and void to the wife. He's the big, powerful man saying he's going to promise us protection, food, and so on. And she will come to us, said the old Adolf, followed by the children, and then must follow the man. That was the technique, and he was only quoting an ancient Roman emperor who said the same thing, because it works in all ages if you want to use that technique. So most people have no idea of how they come to their opinions. You know, any topic can be put across and leave you with the right predetermined conclusion if it's psychologically put together properly to suit you and portrayed in the right format and omitting maybe half of the story. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix. If you don't understand what has happened, you don't know how to tackle what is happening. That's so important. Most folk have no idea what's really happened in the past or how they came to be themselves. How do you come to become you? What made you you? And you don't realize it's masses of conditioning to create a dysfunctional society which is then easily managed by those in power using force or other coercive techniques. There's so many coercive techniques used by government. uh, It would take weeks to list them all that you don't even understand that they're out there. And there's many different ways that you're manipulated through the net and through television and you're given nudges to think the right thing and, and, and have the right opinion about something and so on. You have no idea. And what's happened in other countries is a lesson to maybe the last place where people can still say something at all, and that's the U.S. That's the reason. They I'd be quite honest with you. I think uh, the countries that this war has been going on with for 30, 40 years, it's over. There's nothing left to pick up. Is too ingrained. The disease and the viruses are too ingrained now to recover from. That was the intent of it. Perfect, weaponized culture. 
The article here is the Mail Online, £18,000 council job you can't apply for if you're white. 2nd of June 2010. Council has been accused of discrimination after whites were barred from applying for two £18,000 a year jobs. Now, this is in Bristol, and that's one of the highest unemployment rates for, for people. And it says uh, this has prompted criticism from white graduates struggling to find work. Because it's for graduates, you see. And they put the ad up to create more minority employees. One job seeker who did not wish to be named described it as totally racist. He said, I'm a tolerant white person who's lived in Bristol for 27 years. And that tells you he's been worked on. He's, he's very tolerant. He probably bends over backwards for everybody, even when he's called names and all the rest of it, to women and guys and everybody else, just to, just to be accepted, but politically correct. So he's a tolerant white guy who's lived in Bristol for 27 years. I'm searching for a job and stumbled across a job ad on Bristol City's council website that I see is totally racist. I feel the job would be an excellent opportunity for me to make use of the skills and qualifications that I have acquired, but being white, I am excluded. So that's called reverse discrimination, which is approved now by governments to cause more tension within peoples too, of course. They do like tensions, and they're very good at getting everyone fighting everybody else except the governments that cause it. So it says equal opportunities means giving everyone an equal chance to succeed rather than discriminating against people because of the color of their skin. That's what this guy believes. As I say, he's been well-conditioned, and he'll be walked all over, literally, by everybody. Well-conditioned, probably very polite, and uh, he's had it. Because see, these countries have already had it. Had it completely. Tony Blair, his second command, came out, and I read the, on the article in the paper, he said he changed the face of Britain forever so they could never, ever go back to a previous type culture out of no memory or ability to do so. That has been accomplished. And that's what has been done across the whole world to every people's, regardless of their color. The same techniques so they were all easily managed sheep, working like serfs on the land, fur masters, you know, the world managers, the only ones who can live very well and high on the hog. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, is good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.